Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. My name is Kerry Zarb and I've been helping business owners just like you go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat for over 20 years. I'll be giving you all the top advice for getting started in your business, but I'll also be speaking with some of the best business minds to inspire you with valuable insights to help you get ahead in your business. If you've ever hit a roadblock or lost your passion, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Biz Nation podcast. I'm Kerry and this is episode 69. On today's show, we have David from Six Gun right here in Melbourne, who specializes in SEO and digital marketing. David really helps business owners reach their online potential. David's been on the show once before. We chatted all about SEO and I've brought him back so that we can unpack other things about marketing to help you guys who are small business owners. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much for having me on, Kerry. It's always a pleasure. Lovely. I appreciate your time so much. And I'm super excited today because we're going to go next level. We're going to talk about different things. Like I said before that, you know, the last podcast that we did, we really dived into SEO. So, and I just know that you've got so much more to to bring the listener and, you know, really bring it home and help them, help them, you know, in their marketing endeavors for their business. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. No, an absolute pleasure. Awesome. So David, let's start at the beginning. I want to talk about when a business first starts up, what, what, what do they need to do? Where do they need to go? And what, what are they going to do for marketing? Is there any advice that you can give to the listener to get started in marketing when they first start their business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we'll get to the platforms in a minute. But probably the first thing that people really need to grapple with is the USP of the business. So what is it about their offer or what they're selling that is enticing to a buyer? Is it, you know, is is the business model based on having the lowest prices? Is it based on having, you know, the fastest turnaround? Is it based on having the highest quality? You know, every business needs to have an angle, a USP and a target market that that they want to go after. Obviously, every business is different and there's no right or wrong answer. So getting clear on those kind of things, I think is a really good prerequisite to the next piece of kind of how do you take that and kind of get it out there into the world? So you firstly have to understand who you are. You you have to understand what the USPs of the business are. You have to understand who you're going after specifically. After going after someone who wants quality, you're going after someone that wants a low price. There's obviously a different marketing message that needs to accompany that. Awesome. once a business gets a bit of clarity around, okay, what is the USP? What problem are they really solving? How are they articulating that message? Who it's to? You need to think about, okay, how do we get that message out into market? And there's a number of different ways to do that. Um, if you look at channels, and, and probably a good way to think about it is, and, and probably a good way to think about where to begin is also, you know, you can break it down into the intention of a buyer um, and then, you know, top of funnel kind of them discovering the brand. And let me explain that a little bit more. So if you sell a product or service that a lot of people search for, so let's say they go into Google and they search for it. So let's say, you know, you're a plumber. You want to start your own plumbing business. You've been working on the tools for a long time. You want to start your own business, kind of get out and do it yourself and hire a few um, 
apprentices and the, and the rest of it, people go onto Google and they type in plumber Melbourne or plumber suburb. You know, that's how people find plumbers. You know, they have an immediate need that needs to be solved. When people type those keywords into Google, for example, they are ready to find a plumber right then and there. They're not looking, you know, in the future, like, you know, a, a, a plumber doesn't really need to, let's say, you know, if you're starting as a plumber, you don't really need to build your brand. You know, you need immediate leads more, more importantly than building brand. You know, as the business grows, yes, brand's important. It's something to look at. But at, at the very start, I'd say lead generation is the most important thing. So, you know, because people search in that, in that way, Plumber Melbourne, for example, you want to make sure that you're coming up on Google, either through paid mechanisms like Google Ads or SEO, things like that as well. Because that's how people search for that product. Now let's say take another type of business. So let's say you're a um, in the fashion space and you're starting a business selling dresses. And let's say there's nothing particularly um, identifiable about how you how these dresses can be searched for. So they're not custom made or handmade dresses, in which case there might be a bit more of a case to do things that have intention. But let's say you just sell like you know standard kind of you know middle of the range dresses. Um, people might type in black dress and you want to be coming up on Google and things like that. Now, a keyword like black dress, um, you're going to have a lot of trouble, particularly as a startup, ranking for a keyword like that organically. You're going to pay probably an astronomical, well, you're going to pay, you know, quite a bit as well to have it come up in Google Ads or Google Shopping, things like that as well. So, you know, a brand that is where you're unable to compete where there is intention, you probably need to shift towards something like social media marketing where you're, you know, getting in front of people that don't necessarily know they want the product until they see it. So where you've got a plumber, you know, no one's going to see an ad on Facebook where we're like, hey, like I need a plumber. Like pretty much all plumbing inquiries, people know they need a plumber for something. And, yeah. they'll, and, they'll, and they'll, you know, go through a mechanism of typing something in in order to, you know, bring up a plumber's details and then call them. But with something in the fashion space, um, you know, something like the social media channels like Facebook, is usually a, a better starting point than, for example, um, SEO and Google Ads because it's 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 far less costly to invest in that channel. You're also appealing to people that there isn't necessarily an, an intention. We, we you know you know that you know a young female audience, for example, they're always looking at you know different clothes to buy and things like that. So it's not a you know, one-off um, type of a, a situation where there's only intention behind it. So if you think about it from that perspective, I think you have to understand, you know, do you want to come up when people have the intention to buy it or is your product the kind of product or service that people don't necessarily need to know that they want it or need it until they see it? Yeah. And if, if you bring that back to the startup space, like in the startup space, there's a lot of products, services that are quite new to market that don't really have an established base in terms of like what to even call them. For example, so again, that makes intention-based searching very, very hard. If you've got a product, for example, or a service that's a little bit unique in the way that um, you know people don't really search for it, they don't really know that they need it or want it until they see it. Yeah. Then you kind of need to adjust um, adjust the marketing, you know, to kind of fit. Yeah, yeah, good point. And I, I almost put it in the perspective of going to the supermarket. We all need milk. We all need bread. You know, those things are positioned accordingly in the supermarket because, you know, normally, particularly the milk, it's a deep dive into the milk section so that you pass everything else that 
can grab your attention, you know. So when I think of what you've just said, David, you know, from the Google space of what people search for when they're in need, you know, like like a service or, you know, they need need something in particular. And and that can be, you know, obviously into products as well. But like you said, that 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 plumber is gonna definitely be Googled over being found on Facebook or Instagram because that's a service that just comes up. Your hot water service has just cacked itself and you 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 know you need someone to help you, you go on Google, you know, go on to the yellow pages. We're we're all on online and and our our fingers still do the walking essentially like they used to say for the yellow pages. Um, but yeah, and, and again, you know, those things that we want and and things that you know we want to buy, the the optional purchases perhaps the products are the ones that we will see on Facebook, on Instagram, those happening kind of places. So I, I agree with that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I think, you know, as a business, people need to decide on, you know, what platform is the best starting point? Because normally that's that's the trickiest part, right? Yeah. But once a business is more established, usually, usually it's a combination of a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. you know, pulling out the, the best parts of each platform to support the goals of the business. But when a business is, you know, a startup and it's kind of like, okay, we kind of only have the funds to do one thing, you know, and kind of see how that goes, which is, which is often the case, um, you know, you want to be picking wisely as to which channel that is based on, is it the kind of thing people search for? And if it is the kind of thing people search for directly, do you have the capacity to compete against the other people in that industry? So for example, the example of the, you know, the, the, let's say the small fashion shop that's just started up. You know they want to they want to sell their black dress, but they're up against you know the iconic, for example, and they're up against at the same end. You know they're up against Target, they're up against Kmart, they're up against you know all of the big fashion boutiques. Like they're up against these brands that have they're so established, both physically and digitally, that it is very hard to compete organically in the organic search side of things. And you know there are challenges to compete on the you know the paid side of things because there is a lot of competition there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on another point, thinking of bricks and mortar stores, it's it's really Google My Business that can help them first and foremost. Would you agree with that, David? Yeah, so the, the Google My Business is really useful for those local searches. So, you know, let's say you're a plumber and you're in um, Blackburn and you've got, you know, your little, you know, your factory where you run a few, you know, kind of trucks and cars out of uh, vans whatever it may be, um, you've got a little factory in, um, in Blackburn. And if someone types in Plumber Blackburn, um, you're very likely to come up in that three pack. So through local searches, you know, if you want, if you're the kind of business that attracts local searches, Plumber's a perfect example of that. Google My Business is a very important aspect of what you want to be doing with your SEO. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, there are, if you're a service that, that let's say um, you're a digital service that can be delivered nationwide, the Google My Business has less of a of a pull because someone searching, you know, from from Perth, um, for example, for a particular service, no matter what that would be, it's very unlikely unless they're typing in the brand name that, you know, a Google My Business kind of listing is going to come up for a business in Melbourne. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just simply not the way that it works. So, again, um, you'd have to look at, you know, is there local intention based on what it is? Plumber's a perfect example. You know, a fashion kind of a store that posts Australia-wide, for example, is probably an example of one that Google My Business probably wouldn't be as applicable for because people are unlikely to search, you know, dress suburb. You know, that's probably not really going to happen. 
even dress Melbourne. I mean, people know that, you know, if they want to dress, they go to the Myers or they go to shop online with the, you know, all of the, all of the big players that are already established. So it's a bit yeah, definitely. You're listening to the Biz Nation podcast. I would love to connect with you outside of the podcast and you can find me on Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn by searching my name, Kerry Zab, or directly on my website at kerryzab.club. And don't forget, if you need more support in your business, you can find the community on Facebook at Biz Nation Support Group. kind of segues to the next um, kind of part of the the podcast today is we wanted to talk about platforms. You mentioned it earlier and we've kind of headed in that direction, you know, touching on Google My Business. So if we're starting a business, how do we know which platform to be on? That's that's such a tough question, right? Yeah, it is tough. Um, and it kind of ties back to the, to the first bits of this conversation in the sense of, you know, the USP, the target market, and then kind of like what, how do people find these products generally? Is it by searching like a plumber or is it by discovering the product because it's perhaps new to market um, and there isn't really a lot of search volume? People aren't really searching for it because it's kind of this new thing. And again, that would dictate kind of quite heavily where to go and where to begin. But some good rules of thumb to consider, you know, Google ads and um SEO are very, very good on those intention-based searches. You know, if you, if you have a brand that lends itself well to that and the competition is, you know, you can compete against it. And particularly if you can do things a bit more locally, like if your keywords lend themselves to, um, to work well with a local specifier, like the plumber, Blackburn, for example, um, then, you know, the search space, SEO, Google Ads, perfect place to begin and invest time. On the other side, if your product doesn't really do that, there isn't enough search volume or search intent for the product, or it's too hard to compete. Um, and it's the kind of product that people would, would likely purchase just by kind of seeing it in their newsfeed. Fashion's a pretty good example of that. Then, you know, Facebook is a really good place to begin. Um, and that kind of flows into Instagram. So when I say Facebook, the Facebook ads platform basically ties into Instagram because Facebook owns Instagram. So when I say Facebook ads, I, I ultimately mean Facebook and Instagram bundled together. Um, the other one to consider if you're in the B2B space would be LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is LinkedIn's a challenge from an ads perspective. I think, you know, as a business, you'd probably try to utilize it a little bit more in the organic, um, in the organic kind of um, like using it organically in the sense of, you know, putting up good content reaching out to, um, you know, possibly prospects and providing an offer a bit more directly. There's a few different ways to use it for those kind of purposes. Ads with LinkedIn are extremely expensive um, to run. Cost per click is, you know, substantially higher than, you know, Facebook, Google ads, that side of things. But the it's the only platform that allows like the kind of targeting based on things like job titles, where they're working um, and like these really kind of business statistics. So let's say, if you're a service provider that's targeting high-end businesses and the, and the value of a sale is very, very high, then LinkedIn would be a good place, but you have to kind of calibrate your expectations to that. So let's say, you know, you're targeting, you know, the biggest, you know, ASX 200 companies, 
and you want to you know be talking with a technology officer or someone that looks after their kind of IT to help roll out like a you know you might have a service that helps with um, uh, like internal training, for example, like a digital platform. And there's like a licensing fee for every user so that, you know, when it gets extrapolated out over 2000 users a year, it ends up being a hundred thousand dollar sale. So in an instance like that, you know, you can spend a lot of time, money targeting these right people in the right ways. LinkedIn makes perfect sense for that kind of situation, but I would be careful with it. You know, if, if you have a lower cost product, um, you know, it's hard to get an ROI out of it because the cost per clicks can be very, very, very high as a result. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Right. So let's unpack that for a second. So LinkedIn, if I wanted to sell black dresses, I would not be on LinkedIn. I would be on, right, good. I'm just making sure I'm understanding this. And then if I was a service-based business for other businesses, I would be on LinkedIn so back to the black dress, I should be on Facebook, Instagram kind of spaces. These are like the top tips of where to start, you know, and start testing because we've yeah. all got a test. And then, yeah. okay, so let me try and find a real curveball here. Okay, yeah. no, it's not it's not going to come to me. I can, I can feel it already. But I, I just want to kind of, okay, so if I had online courses yeah. for let's pick something like, you know, DIY craft in your home, like someone that wanted to learn how to knit or how to sew, where would we be? I think that's got Facebook written all over it. Right. Yeah. Cool. So with, you know, and each platform kind of has its own targeting mechanisms as well. So, you know, when you look at the search side of things, you know, Google Ads, um, SEO, you're really targeting based on what people type in. You know, people type in a keyword, you match that intention with the desire to come up. Whereas you know, let's look at Facebook. You're targeting people based on their interests. So we can target people based on their location, the fact that they're interested in knitting and crafts. You know, we can target them based on, um, you know, what they have an affinity towards. So we can gauge things like, um, you know, household income and things like that if it's a higher value product or a lower value product. There's a whole bunch of kind of targeting options, but we can't target people based on immediate intention like we can with the search channels. So we can't target people based on what they're looking for right this second, but we can target people based on kind of what they're interested in, what they like, you know, and what Facebook's algorithm also kind of determines that they fall into as a bucket. Definitely. That makes perfect sense. And, and I'm glad I had that suggestion just pop into my brain there about the craft. I was actually surprised I brought that home, to be honest. <laughs> that, was good. that was a good, perfect, perfect um, example. Yay. Awesome. And David, uh, just quickly, and, and we won't unpack this too much, but obviously in depending, again, depending on the business that you are starting up, another key aspect is the website, right? Yeah, of course. So, yeah. you know, you need to make sure that the user flow is, is working quite well, you know, and that starts with, you know, USP, understanding kind of what you're saying. And then, you know, the page that we're going to be sending the traffic to, you know, the website, making sure that it, you know, marries up very well with what what we've decided and also marries up very well with the ads and what we're offering and things like that. It has that like, you know, clean, high quality design and things like that, you know. So the website is a very important aspect in the conversion cycle to get someone to become a customer. Yeah, definitely. And I want to flip over to email marketing because I think this is one that um, surfaces later in our business life sometimes. Sometimes it's completely off the radar and and totally forgotten. So Again, using those examples, the black dress, the, you know, the plumber, the, the craft courses, 
where does email marketing fit in, do you believe, in industry and, and brand spaces? Yeah, so for most, for, well, I'd say, yeah, I'd say for most businesses, email marketing should be one that's on the top of their list, or certainly towards the top of the list, because email marketing is one of those ones that, you know, you should be collecting people's emails through a variety of mechanisms, whether that be existing customers, whether that be, you know, offering them something to get an email address, for example, like a, like a free ebook or, or something like that. Email marketing is, is still probably the highest return on investment marketing channel that there is in digital. So it's, it's very much worth doing. And it is also a channel where you own the data. Whereas, you know, it's, it can be a little bit crazy to be focused on building, you know, a high number of Facebook likes to your page, for example, when only a very small percentage of those people see your post when they go out and you don't have any control over it. Whereas email, you've got complete control. You can email all the people in that list. They'll all get that email. I mean, there will be some that you know, spam filters and don't kind of come through and whatever. There's always, you know, deliverable deliverability issues when it comes to email to some degree, but you ultimately control the messaging and you can do whatever you want with that, you know, basically do whatever you want with it. So um, it's a very good place to um, be building, be building in the background as the business grows from, from day one. Now there's industries where it makes more sense, right? So I don't think there's too many plumbers out there that really have an email database because no. <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, unless you're a plumber that does like, you know, let's say maintenance, as opposed to like fixing an immediate problem. Now, let's be honest, like, you know, a lot of appliances require some kind of plumbing maintenance, but people don't really do that. Like, it's just not, unless perhaps you're in the commercial space and then it might be, you know, like a compliance related um, thing that has to be done. Um, in which case that might be a little bit of a different angle. But for the average plumber that's doing residential work, how important is an email list? You know, probably not that important because who's hearing from their plumber and again, like what, what is that, how is that going to work? But I mean, just because it isn't being done doesn't mean it couldn't be done well. You know, if you had a plumber and you had like, you know, put all your customers in an email list and then sent them like, you know, tips every six months around like, oh, we're heading into winter, do these things to make sure that your, you know, appliances last more, you'll probably end up getting a customer base that is extremely loyal to you. Whenever there's a problem, they're going to be hitting you up, which is, which is what you want ultimately anyway. So there is still... You know, I haven't really seen it being done in that space because there's probably high things on the list in terms of priority. But the reality is it could probably be done extremely well um, mm. with, with good long-term effects. I think so. I think you've tapped into something there, David. So for all those plumbers that are listening, for all those plumbers that are tuned in, and maybe we'll put, you know, plumbers in here as one of the key words, you know, plumber, plumber business owner or something like that. This could be a thing because I would, you know, if I had a plumber that I was using and they were going to send me maintenance tips, that's actually cool. And further, I actually have subscribed uh, in recent months to someone that does, uh, I think they do gardening. They actually do gardening. They do landscaping, but they do the gardening maintenance as well. And they send out tips you know, yeah. of how to care for your plants and, you know, what when to fertilise your grass and all this kind of stuff for those that want to DIY in between their service options. So I think that could be a thing and, and maybe should be a thing, like you said. Yeah, and I think there's probably a difference between, you know, there's a difference between marketing activities that lead to a direct sale now and marketing activities that build loyalty that lead to business growth later. And, you know, you kind of have to play those off, right, in terms of where your resources go. Because most people, 
you know, when they are thinking about marketing, they want leads now. Yep. <laughs> they don't want to put in a system where it's like, oh, it's going to take us a year to get, you know, to, and then we got to send all these emails. I don't, I don't know too many tradies that enjoy the digital aspects of, uh, of things. So I don't know how many of them will be keen to do something with email, but you know, it, it is something that would definitely have long-term substantial positive business effects. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then, you know, if you flip over to something like e-commerce, you know, like the, the black dress example, the, the small fashion stores kind of starting online and maybe with a small retail business. That is the perfect example of a business that should be doing email from day one because everyone in that space wants, you know, the email with a, you know, 20% off special, things like that. Yeah. You know, you've, got, you've got the ability to send out an email and, you know, generate a lot of business, a lot of sales from a single email, um, even just collecting emails from existing customers or, or like previous customers every time that someone purchased from you they go into your database things like that over the course of years you end up building quite a substantial database you know you have a mother's day special or or something you know 25 percent off all stock uh, for 24 hours like you can generate a lot of business um through things like that now obviously you know some businesses don't want to be on you know do the sales or do the sales rarely and things like that and that has to be kind of balanced as well but building that email database for an e-commerce business will have tremendous value um, in the long run. Yeah, definitely, definitely. David, we're stepping into the next part of the podcast today. Now, I have, I want to know, I should say, I want to know five fun facts about David, but there's a method here. There's a method to my madness. I have this little tin, I don't know if you can hear that, <laughs> I'm going to randomly select. I've got a multitude of, of questions in this in this little box. I'm going to randomly select five questions that I'm going to ask you. There's number one, number two. I'll go for some little ones. Number three. I have to count, otherwise I'll lose track, clearly. I, I'm not able to count on my fingers at the moment. All right, I've got five questions. Okay. I'm, closing, I'm closing the little box. One more rattle. All right, here we go. Are you ready, David? I'm ready. Okay. Your first question is, are you a morning marvel or a night owl? Oh, um, I think I oscillate a little bit. I think since COVID, definitely a night owl. Yeah. You know, I haven't gotten, <laughs> I haven't gotten up too early in a long time. Uh, but I think normally, like when I'm back in the office uh, kind of environment, I'm probably a morning marvel. So I think I, I can probably do a little bit of both, depending Ooh. on where I'm, where I'm at. You're, a, you're the chameleon of, <laughs> of that space by the sound of it. I'm That's just always cool. tired, basically. That's <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. All right. Question number two. If you could choose another era to live in, when would it be and why? I don't know. I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with this era, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, I feel like I'm uh, very um, appreciative and grateful just to be here, have the experience of this life that I've been given. So I, I don't think I can answer that any other way other than saying this era, I'm, I feel like is the era. You are staying put. You are here. Put. I'm just, I'm a happy yep. camper. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Next question. Now this one's a tough one. Okay. Driver or be driven so are you the driver or are you a good passenger or a backseat driver yeah I think I prefer to drive um both physically when I'm actually driving or m metaphorically so <laughs> I think I think I'll go with the driver option awesome <laughs> 
Love that. All right. Next question is, ooh, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Um, look, I, I probably generate more energy. It's kind of tricky. I, I'm really kind of on the fence with that. Like I'm very good. I, I enjoy alone time, um, but I also enjoy in, in the right format, you know, like chatting, networking, all that kind of stuff. So I think, again, it's, that, it's, it's kind of hard to answer. 50-50. I'd say if I, had, if I had to answer one way, I'd probably say introverted. Yeah. Um, cool i'll let you off (laughs) all right last question are you a sports fan and if so which is your favorite one i've recently got into formula one oh yes and i have just absolutely my my wife's dad has been to formula one forever so it's just like we, we just you know we all talk about it all the time now and it stemmed from watching, I don't know if you've seen this, but I think it was called Drive to Survive on, on Netflix. Yes. And they, yes. they've done such a good job of making this documentary series thing. Like it, anyone that watches it, you're like, you're just so inspired. You know, yeah. you've, got, you've got 20 of the best drivers in the world. It's, it's hard, so hard to even get there. And these people just have like the work ethic and the philosophy, you know, and, and, and just everything that you see about the system is extremely inspiring. They do a great job. So it really sucked me into Formula One. And now I'm, um, yeah, now I kind of watch it, watch it regularly. And um, I think the, the next one's on this weekend because um, it was a bit of a three-week break after the first one that they did. So, yeah, it's, it's Formula One for me is really um, has sucked me in. Oh, mate, you're speaking my language. And when <laughs> I say that, I don't, because it's, it's in the wee hours. So not our morning marvel, like I'm a morning yeah. marvel. So I, I can't do it. But um, Hubby's into it like 100%. And in actual fact, he started watching Formula E, I think it is now, which is another category. They're like electric cars, but they're flat and and low, heaps of heaps of you know collisions and stuff. It's crazy. They're in they're in at the time of this podcast when we're recording, by the way. Um, they're in Rome at the moment, and the circuit is tight. Like it is yeah, really right. really tight. But I love all things car racing. You know the. Yeah. They're not called the B8 supercars anymore, but supercars are like heaven, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Bathurst. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're, <laughs> we're so on the same page here. This is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We could go on all day, but thank you. They were um, a little bit challenging, those questions. And, and again, random selection out of that. Um, I'm going to give it a name. I'll, I'll call the, the little tin thing something at some point. But um, yeah. that was that was great. Thanks for participating, David. Appreciate that. My <laughs> pleasure. Awesome. So before we wrap it up, we must know where can we find you? Um, so probably the best way to find us is on our website, which is just sixgun.com.au. But, you know, places like LinkedIn, Facebook, we're all over that as well. So feel free to, um, you know, pop in, say hello there. Fantastic. David, I'm going to pop all those links in the show notes once again for the listeners. And this has been fun. This has been awesome and heaps of good value and advice for those starting a business and looking at their marketing and options and, you know, what we should do and and where we sit, where we can possibly sit in the market. It's huge. It's a massive, massive topic. So yeah, really appreciate your time, David. That's been great. No, thank you so much for having me on. No worries. I'll chat to you again really soon. Thanks so much and take care. You too, Carrie. Talk soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. It was lovely to share this episode with you. 
Remember to subscribe to catch all future episodes and I would also very much love it if you'd leave me a rating or a review. Until next time, remember that you can also go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat.